The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing page optimization expert Tim Ash is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, uh, the weekly webmaster radio show where we bring you the latest in conversion science and art. Uh, Today, I'm very lucky to have with me the co-founder of Future Now, best-selling author of several books, including the latest Always Be Testing, the founder of the Web Analytics Association, a hell of a nice guy, Brian Eisenberg. Hi, Brian. Hey, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm really glad to have you on the show. This is the first time, and uh, I'm pretty sure it won't be the last. Um, So what's new in your world? Well, I mean, uh, I think you know that uh, I had a son seven weeks ago, just a little over seven weeks ago, so that's my uh, my third child. Congratulations. Um, uh, That's wonderful. Mazel tov. And and that's been great. Uh, But I think, you know, my my personal you know, best thing about that is uh, since the baby's been born, I've actually been able to lose uh, close to 18 pounds already. Hey, the the stress and sleep deprivation diet, I, I'm very well aware of it. Unfortunately for me, that has the opposite effect. I tend to pack them on. Well, it's a universal uh, but law it's, of matter, the, right? You know, if someone loses it, someone else has to find it. So I think that's only fair. Conservation afford, of mass. You can afford to find it. I guess find that's what's happening. Yeah. Uh, well, well, again, welcome. Uh, today, I wanted to um, explore a, a topic with you. I think that um, you folks, uh, Future Now, you and Jeffrey and the rest of your team are very well known for your methodology for um, improving conversions, persuasion architecture, as you call it. But I think there's one aspect of it that at least uh, in the public's mind is a little bit muddled. I think something is lost in, in translation, and I wanted to talk about that today. Um, the topic is personas, and that's a uh, pretty general word. It's, uh, it has some specific meanings in different contexts. What kind of context do you hear that word in? Well, the, the biggest problem is that everybody in this industry likes grabbing onto buzzwords and then using them, um, even if they mean different things or they have different contexts or I think it's part of the problem that a lot of the industry has had. Um, in fact, if you go back to um, our first published book, Persuasive Online Copy, we actually didn't use the word persona, but we used personality preferences and buying modes. Um, buying personas modes? Got, yeah, personas got popularized by, um, I don't know if you remember the book, The Inmates Are Running the Asylum by Alan Cooper. I sure do. Um, yeah, so, I mean, he was a you know, user experience designer, and uh, he popularized this concept of using... Um, you know, these representational uh, models uh, to uh, show off the different types of customers you have, and then you design interfaces based on understanding your persona's needs. And right, so, so the original you know, concept, it was more of a, uh, if you didn't have access to a real audience, or I mean, to kind of make concrete the notion of a, of a real person using your, your tool or, or product or service, then you would try to kind of 
um, imagine somebody that would be a stand-in for a whole prototypical class of users, right? Exactly, and it was meant for you know uh, basically you know user interface design. However, our personas actually took go much farther back because if you actually know the, the the real definition of persona, and this is not going to shock you, Tim. Remember, remember, and you probably seen in museums those masks that they used to use like in ancient Greece for um, stage plays. The the happy mask and the sad mask. The, the, the happy mask masks. and stuff like that. That's actually called a persona, right? And essentially, that's almost exactly the way we took it. Because when we use personas, we use a lot of script writing techniques. Because what we think about is the content and the way people are going to gather the content as the interface. Right? And so it's basically how people prefer to engage with whatever mask they have on at that moment with the content. And it's really based on how people prefer to gather information and make decisions. And, and, you know, since the time of Hippocrates, and basically about the same time as the whole concept of masks, people have always been split into four basic personality types. And it's because, you know, we're left brain, right brain, you know, we have preferences. Yeah, and, the, and there are a lot of these, uh, I guess you'd call them personality typing systems. There are variations on the theme. I, I mentioned, for instance, uh, Myers-Briggs in my book. That's a pretty popular one. But, lot, yep. but essentially, essentially, they're all saying the same thing. Uh, uh, it's just the dimensions on which you slice and dice people, right? Yeah, it's basically, you know, left brain, right brain, logical, emotional. And how basically how you perceive making decisions, right, whether you're more deliberate or you act much quicker. Um, you know, you know, Kiersey has had terms, Jung has had terms. I mean, there's been millions of them. And we settled on four terms I thought best fit um, for marketing purposes, right? Because no one's really done this for marketing purposes. Copywriters use this technique. Uh, but in fact, the people who have used this technique the longest have actually been direct salespeople, right? When you walk into, uh, like, you know, a, a car sales place, you know, they're trained at engaging and understanding what personality type you are based on the type of questions you're asking, well, we're yeah, and that's, exact that's exactly thing. right. So it's really kind of a, a sales-oriented uh, uh, classification. The the, uh, the one that I mentioned in my book, which I think is basically almost like a, a direct analog to what you're talking about, is the platinum rule. Uh, excuse me, platinum rule from Dr. Tony Alessandra, and uh, you know he talks about uh, open versus guarded uh, and direct versus indirect. Um, and, exactly. and I think that's a, a kind of a, a good way of doing it. So one is your relationship to people, and the other one is kind of the speed with which you you do things. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it even it, that in the way relate to people is very pertinent online because one of the things I postulated very early on um, working with our consulting psychologist is that when people are online, we tend to prefer being in introverted mode. Okay, that doesn't mean we're introverted. It means we prefer doing the research ourselves, finding it out. It's why we find, you know, pop-ups of uh, live chat and um, uh, spam so intrusive because it's invading our personal space, right? Because that's what happens when you go into an introverted mode. However, there's lots of people who still rather finally conclude their sale in extroverted mode, and then they're going to pick up the phone and talk to a salesperson. Right, right. And so, um, again, what we we want to do is kind of get away from the notion that a persona is a um, kind of 
a made-up person with a name and a demographic and a job title and a physical environment uh, or, you know, psychological predispositions. It's really more about kind of your brain wiring, if you will, that we basically have different kinds of hardware. Some people want to make uh, snap decisions and others need a lot of supporting information. Some people um, are very open and others are deliberate. That's exactly it. And, you know, we will, for clients, go ahead and, and add on those other dimensions. Um, and I'll tell you why, because, if, again, if you come back to our first book, the copywriting book, we only talk about these four personality types, and you could do everything you needed to do with the four personality types. But, again, it, it, it's, it's a little bit of packaging as well, right, a little bit of marketing. Clients wanted to get a better sense of who these four types were. So, yes, you know, we'd add a picture, we'd add a quote. A quote, uh, you know, we add in some demographic information, but we'd weave in all this, what I call the different le- levels of segmentation, but based around these four core personality types um, that would essentially help us define how, how and what content you needed and where you placed content that made the big difference. And I mean, I know you've seen the example I use with um, the overstock um, category page for, for movies, right? Where, yes. you know, if you, if you know spontaneous people, you know, they love new releases and the top sellers. And Overstock did a great example of, of, of having all that content for them. So they were pleased. Humanistic people, you know, they love reviews and stuff like that. And Overstock has reviews, but they didn't have it on the page. So they weren't satisfying them the way they should be. Um, for methodicals, <coughs> excuse me, who like to dig in deep and, and look into, you know, all the genres and, and do all their investigation, it was actually hard to find links for the genres. And then lastly, for the uh, competitives, they're, you know, engaging right at the top of the page. They want to see what they want, maybe do a quick search, come in and out, you know, because they're fast-paced and logical. And unfortunately, they had a graphic up there that talked about kids' titles next to the search engine, and people, he, they thought that the search engine was for kids' titles. Replaced that one graphic, made them $25 million. Yeah, and 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 that's a fantastic result, obviously. And and you know, like you say, it basically is covering all your bases. Uh, we can come back uh, in a little bit here and and talk about kind of the overall structure of it. But the way that I describe it in my book is, uh, you have to take people in a systematic way through the important things on your site. So first, you have to determine their role. Uh, you know yep. who they are in, in the decision-making process, then the specific task that they're trying to accomplish because they didn't just show up on your site uh, for fun and entertainment. And then finally take them in a disciplined way through the the four steps of the sales funnel, if you will, awareness, interest, desire, and action. But along the way, what you're saying is, yeah, we need another overlay, which is to, to consider how their brain works so that we can guide them through that that process in a, in a way that has information on the page that's relevant to them. Right, and, and, and the places where they expect it. And, and, and we'll come really back and critical. talk about that because uh, that's, that's an important uh, notion of convention. I'm a big fan of uh, following certain conventions. And uh, so uh, let's take a little break uh, to hear from our wonderful sponsors. This is Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And we'll be back for more with our guest, Brian Eisenberg. More LPO, Landing Page Optimization, in just a moment. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. 
Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic Tools give you the ingredients to create high converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic Tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit conversioncritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.conversioncritic.com. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Here's your bill. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, it's all right. I'll take care of the tab, Jason. Well, thanks, Dave. How are you doing so well these days? It seems everyone's in a pinch for cash. RevenueWire.com, that's how. RevenueWire? Yeah, RevenueWire.com is an all-in-one platform offering affiliates high-demand software from top-notch PC utility merchants. With 75% commissions, twice-monthly payouts, incredibly accurate analytics tools, RevenueWire is making me more money today than I did in the last few years put together. Even in this economy? Especially in this economy. RevenueWire has a ton of great products to meet the demand. I'm telling you, this network is recession-proof. RevenueWire, the recession-proof network platform. For more information, visit RevenueWire.com today. That's RevenueWire.com. Mobile Presence, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. Welcome back. This is Tim Ash, president of SiteTuners and your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. We're continuing our conversation with uh, Brian Eisenberg. And Brian, I wanted to ask you, you just said something uh, before the break along the lines of you have to put the information where people expect it. Can you talk to that a little bit more? Yeah, so there's, there's two different things. So one, you know, we will split up landing pages depending on, and we'll talk about search landing pages because they, they make it really simple, right? Certain keywords are definitely designed for different personality types. Um, you know, if, if, if I'm going to have, you know, keywords like, you know, how to buy a television set, Right, or I'm just giving something very generic. You probably know this person's probably a little bit more methodical, right, than someone who's looking for the best television set. Right, it's just a right, different style. Right. You're gonna get, you're gonna have to treat the copy on those particular pages a little bit differently. But when you're dealing on some pages, and there, there are certainly some pages across the site that um, you know different people in different modes are going to behave in. You need to understand how you need to deal with elements on the page in, in better places for them. For example, on the competitive people, um, they're not going to drill down and look through all your navigation, uh, through all your choices. They, they just don't do that, right? So you've got to make sure that you're giving the what argument, which is what competitives are looking for right away. You know, what is this? What's, what's in it for me immediately? Um, you know, within the first, you know, few lines of the page, essentially. If not, they, they will not continue no matter what. It's just their style. Yeah, they're fast Whereas, and they're and they're results oriented and uh, you know give me a simple choice I'll make it uh, otherwise just get out of my way. Yeah, I don't I don't have time to waste on anything else. And I, I mean, Jacob Nielsen did a great 
um, research, uh, analyzing heat maps on the U.S. Census Bureau's website, and he found four distinct patterns. You know, imagine that. I mean, there are four distinct patterns in nature. Why shouldn't there be, right? And one interesting one is you, you look at the different patterns, and if you look at it from the point of view of these psychological types, he has one <coughs> where you can see people navigating literally every single menu option, every single um, uh, you know navigation option along the side. Um, I mean, just, just spend so much time gazing and so long at each gaze that it's obvious that this person is a much more methodical-oriented person. They're going to really spend their time doing the research. Methodicals want to become the experts, so you really need to spend the time. And they'll take a lot longer to make a decision, so don't, you don't have to rush them and make them urgent. If you don't give them the, enough background for them to feel confident, they're just not going to act. Right? And so just, I think those are just two real extremes on the logical end that, uh, you know, that matter a lot. Um, it's the same thing, you know, I, I see a lot of sites using uh, testimonials, you know, very early on in the page, and it usually isn't that critical because for the competitive, they don't really care about it, and the humanistics who do are a little bit more slow-paced. So you can, you can weave it in later on during the page or, you know, or lower down on the page. Okay, well, we've been talking, uh, we've kind of, I think we've mentioned all four by this point, but actually, give us just a two-sentence capsule summary of each of the four personality types. Okay, so, so let's start with um, the logical, um, fast-paced, and that's your competitive. Your logical, slow-paced, and that's your methodical. Then you have your emotional, quick-paced, which is your spontaneous, and your emotional, slow-paced, which is your humanistic person. Um, you know, if you want to think about your classic um, competitive, you know, you might want to think of someone like, you know, Dr. Kirk, you know, so, um, uh, James Kirk. Right, he's your he's your classic, uh, you know, swashbuckling, you know, quick to make a decision type of guy. Uh, you want to think about your methodical. I'm going to use all structure characters, just you know, since it's in the movie theaters anyway. Um, if you want to think about your methodical, that's that's your Spock, right? It's all about logic. He's going to you know really analyze everything and then make his decision. Um, when you think about your humanistic, right, that's your that's um, Doctor Bones. Right, really caring about people, you know, real, you know, he's going to be thorough and in-depth, but real has real empathy for, for a lot of people. And your spontaneous is, is more of, you know, your uh, Scotty who's just, you know, at the moment and just, you know, okay, what's next? Let's, let's go have some drinks. Right, right. So, you know, in the Kersey Bates uh, kind of paradigm, they break it down into, you know, 16 subtypes, but uh, at the core of it is the, is, you know, are you... Um, you know, kind of abstract and concrete. Um, that's one one thing they look at. And uh, well, basically, so the the, the core of, of theirs is they call them artisans, guardians, idealists, and rationalists. And the similar idea: the artisans are kind of tactical; they're observant and pragmatic. Uh, guardians are logical; they're observant and cooperative. Uh, idealists are diplomatic; they're introspective and cooperative. And rationals exactly. are strategic; they're introspective and pragmatic. So, um, you know, it's, again, yeah, slightly different, different dimensions, but they're. I'm sorry. Yeah, each of the different types are measuring slightly, slightly different indicators, even though they're all more or less around the same. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's why we settled on, on the scale we did, and they roughly correlate to Myers-Briggs types too. But again, Myers-Briggs is measuring four different dimensions, uh, you know, versus just just um, you know just two and two. 
Right, but um, at the so, core, they they have something that that uh, you know uh, they talk about. Well, this is really more Kersey Bates stuff. They're they're looking at different juxtapositions of that stuff. Sorry, I should have said Kersey Bates, not Myers Briggs. And then the Platinum Rule, which I already mentioned, uh, Dr. Tony Alessandra applies this primarily to sales. And and like you say, you know, you walk in, and in thirty seconds, I can de- basically determine whether you're open versus guarded. And uh, whether you're direct or indirect uh, in your dealings with people, uh, from your speech patterns, from your, the way you carry yourself, it's a little bit harder on the web since you don't physically see them. But like you say, their behavior on your website can give you huge clues as to how they actually perceive it. And, and more importantly, for our purposes, you don't have to actually know which exact one they are. You have to know that, like you say, through evolution, these four personality types evolve for a reason. They all have their... You know, pluses and minuses, a methodical person will find just the right berry without poisoning themselves, and the spontaneous person will rope everybody in to do a mastodon hunt and, and survive that way. So you know, exactly. uh, they each have their, their pluses and minuses. The point is you have to accommodate all four of them in the web experience. Well, here's an interesting one, though. Um, now let me go back to Myers-Briggs, because Myers-Briggs has done a lot of research you know, uh, over 5 million people over the last 50, uh, 50 years, huge databases of linguistic patterns and stuff like that. By the way, do you know your Myers-Briggs type? I do, ENFP. Uh, see, I'm, I, I am also an ENFP with borderline with F and T. Uh, so no, no wonder <laughs> we get along so well. But, but yeah, here's so, hey, but important I love you, buddy. Uh, that yeah, means that but, we're champions, we're really good at motivating people. You could call us evangelists, and I guess that's no surprise since we're here opening our big mouths. Exactly, and, and, and when you consider my brother, who is an INFP, he just he's, you know he's just a little bit more introverted. He gathers his energy internally. But here's something very important, especially for, uh, for Tim, for you and I, and, and for most of the marketers out there. Because here's the scary part: Myers Briggs, seventy-two percent of the English-speaking population is sensing-oriented. That means on their you know on their second dimension, they have an S. Okay, that means they're here for the you know not for the abstract and the big picture, but for the concrete and the right now. But Something they can part. touch and feel, you know, visual um, information, um, anything like that. Exactly. But marketers predominantly are ends. They're, we're intuitive. So we are in the minority of the people speaking this language, and it's why most people think of marketing copy and language as fluffy because we speak big picture language. Yeah, in okay, fact, uh, you know, a friend of mine, uh, Maura Ginty, who you, you, uh, also speaks at Search Engine Strategies along with us, uh, she, she has this uh, saying that she, she and her coworkers developed, which is uh, you know, slap, uh, speak like a person. In other words, uh, uh-huh. don't use jargon, you know, don't use marketees, you know, turn down all the bullshit filters and just the facts, ma'am. I, I, I mentioned in my book on the copywriting part that you should always just write objectively. Just take out every single adjective and qualitative unsubstantiated claim you're making because most of the time that just means that all of the S's have to wade through that and, and filter it out anyway. Exactly. And so, I mean, it, it, it's, it's just so critical. And one of the nice things is if, if, you, if you are in certain industries, there are some types that never show up. Like we do work with Volvo Construction. You know what? There are very few people who buy, you know, uh, you know quarter million dollar plus wheel excavators spontaneously. Yeah, they better not be the buyer in a big organization if that's their personality type. Ah, however, you know what? On their, uh, they may be the buyer. And this is the important part, right? Because most personalities like to peg people into a type of person. 
Ours don't. Ours actually allow you to say, look, he, he, at home, you know, he may be the most extreme sports fanatic in the world, and you know, everything is spontaneous spur of the moment. But when he's in his buying mode as a buyer for XYZ construction, He's completely methodical because they're preferences. It's like left-handed, right-handedness. You know, if, God forbid, you broke your arm, right, your, your dominant arm, you could still do things with your other arm. You're just not used to it. It feels awkward. Right? Okay, but I want people- you to hold that thought, Brian. We're going to take another commercial break. Uh, this is Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. More LPO, Landing Page Optimization, in just a moment. Does your website need a bailout? Looking for a conversion rate stimulus package? Do you need a website improvement to-do list? On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7, analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it so that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. I'm Brian Eisenberg, and I approve this message. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Hey, have you got the number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. Well, what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, Amazon, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. Stay ahead of the trends with Affiliate Marketing Insider. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back uh, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. I'm your host, Tim Ash, and on the program with me today is conversion and usability expert Brian Eisenberg. Uh, Brian, before the break, we were talking about this notion that people behave differently in different roles. Um, so one of the other problems that I think are commonly misunderstood with personas is that they're monolithic. You are who you are, and you're going to act the same way because of this set of psychological Uh, and demographic preferences you have. But in fact, you mentioned that depending on your role, you can be very different. In the book, I talk about, uh, you know, if I may be an expert on online marketing and like you say, very spontaneous around that. But if my wife tells me we have to go shop for my niece's birthday present, I have no idea when I walk into Toys R Us what an eight-year-old girl is going to prefer. And I'm going to walk up and down those aisles and be very methodical. So can you talk about, you know, why that monolithic view isn't appropriate? Yeah, because it's, it's exactly that. You know, we, we're, we're humans. We're dynamic, right? We're not 
always, you know, we're not, you know, Spock and Data from Star Trek that, you know, only fit one mold and barely can change the way they behave. No, you know, we're, we're real people and, and, and we change. And it depends on the situation we're in. You know, like, like you mentioned, you know, here's another example. You know, you may have a beautiful TV in the house and all of a sudden, you know, you have uh, uh, people in the house, uh, it just happened, by the way, to my next door neighbor right before I came here, the, the repair people dropped their TV. Right? So now they're about to move. They need a brand new TV. You know what? He's probably pr- pretty methodical in general. Just, you know, he's very slow paced and stuff like that, but he, now he's moving. He needs a brand new TV. Is he going to take the time to do the same thing, or is he maybe going to just go and look for a couple of reviews, pick that, and he'll buy more in humanistic mode? Or, you know, maybe he's just going to buy in spontaneous mode, see something that's a great sale, and just pick it up. It, again, it, it, it depends on the circumstances, and it depends on, you know, your role in an organization. So to be fair to say, so there's your basic underlying um, kind of brain wiring and how it generally works. Then there's your role that's uh, situation specific, um, and then there's specific circumstances around the exact time you're doing something, whether there's time pressure or where you are physically when you're doing it, uh, that will also modify the other attributes. Yeah, and, I mean, it also happens sometimes when you're actually even shopping on a website where all of a sudden they answer that magic question that, you, that was keeping you in a very methodical mode. And the second you got that, that magic answer, all of a sudden you're now ready to purchase spontaneously. Okay, yeah, You're that, not guarded. That you, all the walls come down. All the walls come down. And so that's what, what we do with our personas. Again, they're not fixed to say, oh, only these people are going to behave this way. What we're saying is, look, you've got to cater for the different extremes of personalities that you may encounter because you don't know what mode they're coming in on and when they're ready to do what. Okay, so let's talk about how this, this might apply in practice, and maybe you could give a couple of quick examples. So um, you know, what kind of information needs to be displayed at what point in the process to appeal to, to certain folks. Let's, let's for instance, take an a e-commerce scenario, your typical catalog, if you will. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, uh, it, I mean, it really depends on uh, what the product. And, I, and, I, and it's, that's why we've always had a very hard time just focusing in on e-commerce versus, um, you know, business to business, because I think it really depends on the complexity of the sale. Right, uh, you know, it, it isn't hard for people to pick up, you know, uh, you know, a shirt sometimes, and for other people, it's extremely complicated. But a, a good example is, you know, if we look at um, uh, something a little bit more complex, like a television set. Okay. Right. Um, so, you know, for the competitive person, they really want to know that this is among the best out there. Remember, the television is going to be probably part of a, a status thing. So, you know, brand is going to be really important for him. Um, the actual copy of reviews are not going to be important for him, but the score is going to be very important for him because it's going to kind of validate, oh, yeah, lots of people think this is great. It must be great. Yeah, the, Any awards. So testimonials, you know, one way to do them is, okay, you can have the detailed testimonial page and overload them with every single one if someone wants to read it, but also saying, hey, we have 490 reviews on this product and it's four-and-a-half-star rated. That's all the competitive guy needs. That's exactly all he needs. Yep. And, you know, any awards he's won, you, you know, you've won the price, if you've got a great deal on it, the free shipping, that, that's it, and they're done. They're, you know, you don't, you, don't, you don't have to talk past the clothes for them. The methodical is the one who's going to want to dig into all the details. You know, what's on the back, how many uh, ports it has, um, you know, what you can hook up, you know, have parental, you know, control, every detail, the, you know, the scanning rate, the contrast ratio, they're going to need to know every detail about it. They are going to investigate everything they need to know about 
large screen TVs before they ever invest a dime. And, and would you say that there's a, a, you know, as long as we're talking about being methodical, it, would it be fair to say that m- more expensive or more impactful decisions uh, will put people into methodical mode more often? In other words, if I'm buying you know, a, a Tic Tacs, I don't care if I overpay at the 7-Eleven for them as long as it's convenient. But if I'm buying a plasma TV, I'm certainly going to spend some time looking into that. Well, you know, Jeffrey did did a thing when we, when we wrote Wing Peak at the Bark. It was just just prior to starting to write the book. Someone called up and you know I asked them whether we had experience in their industry, and we really talked about and it's what you're talking about. It's it's really about complexity of the sale, um, and uh, you know I don't know if it's more expensive because sometimes it could be very expensive or very cheap and still be very complex. Um, you know, like uh, you know if you were if you're going to go buy your baby a new uh, crib, may not be very expensive, right? But you probably want to make sure it's the right thing. Right? Why? Because you're looking at basically four different dimensions. Number one, you're looking at risk. Right? What's the, what's the personal risk at making this decision? Um, what's the what's the um, uh, reward? Um, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the four dimensions. It's, it's been one of those crazy weeks. I apologize for that. But but the, the other one is. Um, uh, conformity, right? Uh, what, what are other people going to make think about this decision? So, yeah, social proof, in other words, you know, you don't want to be the just step off a cliff. You want to know that other people have had a good outcome, right? Or you know, even making a personal decision like buying a shirt. I, I mean, you you know, you you wear some beautiful shirts, um, you know, and you may go to the store and you may be, be traveling through one airport and see something really gorgeous, um, and you said, you know, I really want to buy it, and you make the decision, you make it on your own because it's really not complex. But what's going to happen the first time you, you know you put it on and your wife sees it and she gives you that look? Oh, I know that. Probably look. never coming out of the closet again, right? Because it's a consensus Absol- thing; it's a social thing. That's right. So, how how like, kind of classic are you? How how much are you willing to stick out versus conform? Exactly. So these dimensions are going to influence how deep you need to go in your copy more than anything else. And, like and so, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you're right. The, the, probably the um, the price wasn't, you know, the big ticket isn't uh, the point because a lot of people will make uh, very spontaneous decisions to, you know, buy a BMW that uh, have nothing to do with uh, with logic or researching the the anything. It's just a kind of a they want the ultimate driving machine. Exactly, they want the ultimate driving machine. Uh, and and so, um, really, like I say, I think it has probably more to do with you know personal risk and the emotional pain you're going to pay for making the wrong decision. Exactly. I think that's an overlooked dimension. Uh, Brian, before uh, we uh, end our, our uh, interview here, I want to ask if you guys are going to be at any upcoming shows uh, in the near future. Um, you know, I, I was taking it easy because of the new baby. I haven't been traveling that much, but um, that's kind of getting to an end. So I'm headed off to uh, SES Toronto to do a couple of sessions up there. I'm not sure if you're going to be there or not, but uh, um, hopefully uh, if, if we can't meet up there, we'll meet up at uh, SES San Jose. Um, definitely in San Jose. Of, yeah, definitely San Jose. My brother is going to be keynoting the OMA um, uh, metrics um, uh, session on June 9th, I believe it is, um, about the uh, where, where where analytics is today and where it's going. Um, yeah, and there, there, there's there's a few other trips planned, but uh, you know those those are really the the big ones right now. Okay, uh, so if you want to keep track of, of the Eisenberg brothers and all the great work they do, uh, can you give a shout out for your blog? Yeah, it's usually best place to find us. It's grok.com.com, uh, G-R-O-K-D-O-T-C-O-M.com. 
um, or you can just do a search for us. It's not that hard. Uh, and same thing, people can find me on Twitter and Facebook and feel free to connect and, with me and, and find out more about your terrific on-target product for uh, getting the most out of your landing page testing program. Well, again, this has been Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization, and uh, a big thank you to my guest, Brian Eisenberg. Brian, I hope you'll consider uh, coming back on the show again. Always a pleasure to be with you, Tim. Terrific. Uh, well, stay tuned till next week when we'll have more thought-provoking uh, interviews, tips and tricks on improving your conversion rate and making yourself a better person.